What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Wide in the Middle with me, Tom Brandon, and my man Keith Bradley. Keith, how's it going? What is going on? I'm staying cool. I'm not frying like you are in He's, California. That is a fact. I am literally cooking. Yesterday, when I was doing my live stream, and I only live streamed for like two and a half hours, it was so hot in my office, which is air conditioned, that by the time I was done, I I was literally I was so hot I had to take another shower and change my clothes. It was it's disgusting 115 yeah degrees. i'm out yeah it sucks <laughs> cannot wait to go to washington next week to some cool Don't weather blame you at all yeah it's freaking ridiculous but great show today we have a ton of stuff to cover uh some really big news that literally just dropped within the hour of recording this um which me and keith are both freaking super happy about let's go let's yeah. get it and uh, so yeah, it's it's freaking awesome, man. And then we've got some uh, some stuff on the sprint car side of things and uh, a little power rating system that I came up with uh, to handicap drivers. We'll talk more about that in, in a bit. But before we get into all of that stuff. I have to cover. Something. On the F1 side of things, because we are seeing one of the greatest meltdowns I think we've ever seen. And when it comes to brands, right? When we talk about brands and sports, right? When you, when you think about like the Dallas Cowboys or the New York Yankees, right? The Los Angeles Lakers, you could not even be a fan of those sports, but you know those brands, right? Like my son has never watched a full NBA game, he knows about the Los Angeles Lakers, right? Because it's just that kind of brand, right? Everybody knows about it. Everybody knows about the New York Yankees. I didn't live during the 1920s, but as a fan of baseball, I know about Murderer's Row, right? With Babe Ruth and all those guys, you know, with the the 27 Yankees, right? Which many consider to be the greatest team of all time, right? Because it's the Yankees. When we look at this in the racing world, There is no brand out there that is more recognizable or bigger than Ferrari. Even with all of Mercedes' um, success over the last decade, or the success of Red Bull, or the success of a Rick Hendrick, right? Or a Childress, or a Tony Stewart, right? Take your pick. It doesn't matter. They all pale in comparison to Ferrari. And right now, it is an absolute clown show there's no other way to put it it's a clown show and the stuff that has come out and the things that have happened over the last few weeks have been such a joke that if you are a fan of ferrari you have to be at probably one of the lowest points of your fandom i don't know how else to put it now keep in mind i am not a ferrari fan okay But I am a fan of racing, and therefore, I like to see Ferrari good. I think they are one of those brands that when they are good at F1, it makes F1 better. Now, obviously, when we had Schumacher and it was just domination, right, and you were literally falling asleep because the race was so boring, I'm not talking about that. But when you have a Ferrari that's competitive, right, if you had that to go along with Mercedes and Red Bull, right, look at Alpine this year. Alpine has been a steady competitor. They're not winning races. They're not always on the podium, but they're always there in the top five. Like that's great for 
F1. And Ferrari is literally not able to get out of their own way. And the things that have happened over the last few weeks have been such a joke that I don't know where else they can go. The reason I bring this up has to do with a, I don't know, news video, whatever you want to call it, some kind of clip, the stuff that came out, these, this guy did a thing on Ferrari and it actually brought to light a couple of things that I hadn't heard yet. And keep in mind, I've been watching the F1 races and listening to the, the radio chat and stuff like that. The F1, the, the Ferrari strategy has gotten so bad, right? That the strategists, and keep in mind in F1, you have people whose sole purpose is to come up with race strategy. That's all they do. Okay, right. Remember back in the day in NASCAR, Keith, where the crew chief literally made like every decision. Here's what we're going to yeah. adjust. Here's what we're going to do in the pits. Here's when we're going to pit. Right. If the caution comes out, we're going to do this. Right. Like they, they, can, they did everything. That's not the case in F1. And NASCAR is moving away from that now, too. They've got much more. They're much more specialized and stuff like that. But F1, you've got people whose sole purpose is just to come up with the strategy of the race. When are you going to pit? When are you going to take tires? Right? How, what tires are you going to take? Are you going to run mediums? Are you going to run hards? Are you going to run softs? Or what are you going to do when you're going to do it? That is their sole purpose. And their strategy has been so bad, so bad that no joke. I, I, I hate to even say stuff like this because usually it's just, it's, it's hyperbole, but in this case, it's probably true that there are F2 teams out there that are better at strategy than Ferrari, which is an F1 team. They are the top dog and they are ruining a season in which they have a very fast and competitive car. Keep in mind, they started off the season winning and they were running up front and then they had these mechanical failures. And then they had these, you know, can't pull their heads out of their asses moments with their strategies. And now Mattia Bonotto, who is the head of it, right? He is the team principal. He is the man, right? And when all of this is happening at the end of the day, it falls on his shoulders because guess what? He's the one in charge, right? Get the house in order. He's not getting in an order. And now you got him coming out saying that, Red Bull, he's accusing Red Bull of cheating. And that is why he thinks Red Bull is doing so much better. Okay. And his quote is the number of the people in the FIA monitoring it is very little. He's talking about the cost cap regulations. It has to improve for the future because it would be really bad if somehow a championship was dictated by a financial regulation and not technical or sporting. And what he is saying is, is it would be a shame if a team won because they had more money than another team or used more money, right? There's a cost cap. Yes, teams should not be to go over that. But to sit there and talk about how, hey, it'd be a shame if a team won a championship because they just had more money. They were able to use more money than another team. When you have not been able to get out of your own way, that is grasping at straws in a way that I have not seen from somebody who is considered a professional. Keep in mind, to make it as a team principal, you have to know your shit, right? You're not, you're, this, this isn't, this is a NASCAR in the 1960s where you started out sweeping a shop floor, okay? And then in 10 years, you're sitting atop the box, you know, crew chiefing for a Jeff Gordon or a Jimmy Johnson. This ain't the way it works in F1, right? These guys are legit geniuses when it comes to race cars. And Ferrari has had this history 
of not being able to get out of their own way. And this year, they are just doing it in spades. And this accusation by Ferrari and Bonotto is literally, in my opinion, one of the worst things that you can do. Because now, instead of looking internally and fixing your own issues, you're pointing the fingers externally when that's not the problem. You are the problem. There's been many races where you guys have out-qualified Red Bull and Mercedes, and then you go out and you just literally take a giant dump on the track where you go out and you put your drivers in a horrible situation. You can make the argument that Ferrari has one of the best, if not the best driver pairings out there. You can make a legitimate argument that Carlos Sainz and Charles Leclerc are better right now as they are better than Verstappen and Perez. Yes, Verstappen is the best out there, but you could definitely make the argument that Leclerc and Sainz together are better than Verstappen and Perez together. I'm not saying they are, but you can make that argument. You can make the argument that they're better than Russell and Hamilton. At this point, okay, at, at this point in time, keep in mind, I'm not saying in totality, I mean, Lewis Hamilton is considered, you know, by many to be the GOAT. But at this time, based on just their driving abilities, what they have shown, right, in terms of this season, you can make that argument. And they can't get out of their own way. And instead of looking internally, they're pointing the finger externally. And it's unfortunate because I think they've already lost a chance at any type of good season this year. And if they don't make some huge, huge changes within that company, right, within the entire F1 Ferrari organization, I'm afraid that next year is not going to be any better. Keith, got any thoughts on that? I know you're not a big F1 guy, but. Uh, I'll just be quiet about it. I, I don't pay attention to it enough <laughs> to even speak on it, honestly. Yeah, I just, it's one of those things that for me, when I think far too much, and this is kind of a pet peeve of mine in general, I think far too much people look at the external instead of the internal when it comes to their own success right? It's so yeah. easy to look outside and say that person's doing better because they've got this advantage or they're doing better than me because I don't have their advantage, right? We hear this all the time, right? You know, it, it's, it's everywhere in the world. Every politician who, you know what I mean? Everybody, they are, everybody always, it's always somebody else that's holding you back. It's always somebody else that's got some advantage. But at the end of the day, it's like, no, if you want to succeed, go out and do it, right? Put in the work, Look at how you can improve. Don't look at what everybody, don't pay attention to other people and start saying, hey, they're cheating or hey, they're doing this. Look at what you're doing. Because at the end of the day, Ferrari has cost themselves so many wins, right? There are, you could literally go down the list and there's probably two at very least, probably more like three or four races that they should have won, legitimately had a chance to win, right? If not almost guaranteed to win, that they absolutely just blew. They literally just freaking stepped on it. Like, it's just dumb, dumb decisions. I mean, at Spa, dude, the strategists were literally asking the drivers what they think they should do, right? Think about that for a moment. 
okay? While you're racing around a track at, I don't know, 250 kilometers an hour, you got somebody talking in your ear saying, hey, uh, what do you think, should we, should we pit, if we pit now, we'll come out in front of 12th place, right? And the driver's out there racing going, why would we pit now? Like, what are we, what are we doing, right? Like, is that what your driver needs to be doing when they're out there racing like that? Especially when that's not their job. Their job is to drive. It's not to make those decisions. That's why you have a strategist. Why are you paying a strategist? So it just drives me nuts when I see that because I, I'm i a fan of Carlos Sainz and Charles Leclerc. I, I like those guys as drivers. I think they're super talented. Um, you know, they... Charles Leclerc, you know, his dream was to, was to race for Ferrari. His uh, godfather, uh, Jules Bianchi, um, who was the last, I believe he was the last driver to die in F1, was on his way to getting a ride with Ferrari and was killed in a car accident on the track before that happened. So Charles Leclerc, his dream was always run Ferrari. He gets there, you know, 2019, they're good. Then all of a sudden they get popped for something with their engine. There was a new technical regulation that comes out and then they fall off a cliff and they were no good the rest of that year. 2021, they were not very good. And then in 2022, they come out and it's finally good. And you've got these two young drivers, right? Charles Leclerc, who's his dream to been with Ferrari. Carlos Sainz, same thing. Sainz, who had been literally bounced from these other teams where he had gone to, helped build them up, and then they move off of him for another driver. And he's at Ferrari now, and it looks like in this incredible situation and they can't get out of their own way and it's just it's just sad to see because like i said those guys are really good drivers and i think it would be a much more compelling and competitive season if they would just pull their heads out instead of looking at everybody else and it's a shame it really is because like i said when it comes to brands you know known in sports you don't even have to be an f1 fan to know about ferrari all right, so let's dive into our next group of topics because we got we got a bunch of them. All right, we got a bunch of them we got to cover here in Hit or Miss. Keith, are you ready? Let's do it. All right. I look forward to this time at yes. every podcast. Yes, I do too. I it's it. a lot of fun. I actually, I spend the week coming up with these things. Um, and I got to admit, today, the ones that I had, um, other than... One. Let me see. There's five today. Only two of them were original ones. The the three of them I added within the last hour just because of the news nice. that's dropped recently. Yeah. So so it's gonna be a good one. So first one that we've got, and this is a big one. This literally dropped within the hour. North Wilkesboro will be hosting next year's All Star Race for nascar keith this is a home run for nascar hit or miss uh it's a it's a big hit absolutely it's a grand slam dude 100 100 percent. it's a grand slam at the bottom of the ninth in the key moment Mm -hmm. yep i'm looking forward to this for a very long time just because a the all-star race at texas is terrible abysmal yeah it's horrible whoever Whoever thought of that idea needs punched in the throat. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> it's, it's so dumb. bad. I mean, the racing's so bad. so bad there. 
And yeah. it's it's even worse to think of, oh, all right, yeah, now we got a playoff race there. Yeah. But moving this all-star race to North Wilkesboro and after seeing some of the cars races there, specifically the one with Dale Jr. in it, the racing was really good. It was. The, I was shocked. The, I was too. I was very surprised by how good it really was. And the track surface is still really good. And unfortunately, with this news, uh, Race XR is canceling all dirt races there. That part kind of sucks because I was excited to see what could actually happen there. I but, I was looking forward to the dirt stuff too, but I'm I'm really I'm happy more, about this. I'm even more excited yeah. that they're not repaving North Wilkesboro. Yes. I say take out money and let's put it in the infrastructure at the racetrack. Let's yes. let's put new grandstands because after hearing some things that things were shaky there. Yes. And the bleachers were sketchy. Yeah. Yeah. And the, so, the, the, the restroom facilities, uh, yeah. the, the parking and traffic situation, you know, were, were definitely, um, a problem, especially, you know, the night that Dale jr. Raced there. I mean, it was huge. There was 18,000 people. I mean, it was sold out, right. It was, it was so yeah. packed. Um, there was literally people who had tickets and because of the traffic, um, they didn't like, make- didn't even get into the, to the track, right? They never well, made it inside. So there's a story floating around that a guy that lives 10 minutes away from the racetrack took him two and a half hours just to get in his seat. Yeah. So, you know, they, hey, it's they a good definitely, problem to have though. It is. It's an excellent problem to have. And, um, when you look at North Wilkesboro logistically, right, it's literally like in the middle of like a bunch of dairy farms. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's just, it's, it's, it is literally in rural America. So they definitely got some stuff that they have to improve when it comes to the facilities, but I'm, I'm with you on that. I was looking forward to the dirt stuff. I'm glad they're keeping the pavement the way that it is. I was surprised at how good a shape it was still in, but it's still worn enough to where it was good racing. Those late models put on a hell of a show, man. That was a, that was a really good race. I think that was some of the best racing I've seen so far this year it it was you know and i love watching those short tracks you know i like the mods there too the, the mods were a good race too um and i really love those short tracks like that with with the late models the super late models right where you're talking late model stocks or or super late models whatever uh you know especially when you've got the longer ones where it's you know 100 laps you get a chance to see the tires wear out and who can come on late stuff like that like it's really good racing and that track put on it it had some phenomenal racing man and i think and it's going to be amazing with the cup cars 100% and that's like on the on the sim racing side on i racing that's my go to short track that yeah, i love i love that track if i get bored i'll just jump into a a test by myself and turn 100 laps at north of wilkesboro and it's a lot of fun mm-hmm. that place i mean granted yeah i've never raced there in real life yeah. probably ever will but Dale Jr. needs the biggest pat on the back for even bringing any sort of light back to North Wilkesboro. If it wasn't for him, we'd probably still be stuck at freaking Texas. Yep. Yep. And you're right. And that that brings us to our next hit or miss, which is Dale Earnhardt Jr. is hands down the most important man in all of NASCAR. Hits the mark or misses the uh, mark? It, it 100% hits the mark. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Since he has retired, he has really been pretty vocal mm-hmm. on what he wants and what he wants to see. And NASCAR is actually more willing to listen to him now. I mean, if they weren't, 
We wouldn't be talking about going to North Wilkesboro next no, year. No, absolutely not. I think a lot of it comes down to Dale Jr. volunteered a lot of his time cleaning the place up. Yeah, granted, yes, it was for iRacing to get North Wilkesboro on the iRacing service, but yeah. still, that brought a lot of light back to North Wilkesboro. And yes, there did. was a bunch of NASCAR guys that showed up to help him. Mm-hmm. That yep. show- it just... it. It we shed lost. a lot of light to people who look. I was a fi- I I loved North Wilkesboro. I I was sad to see it go. I didn't know the track was even still there. I thought it had been bulldozed. I thought that track was gone. I didn't know it was still there. Right. I don't live out in 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 Wilkes County. Right. I'm out here in California. Right. No, the the status of North Wilkesboro is not on my list of things to do. So I didn't even know the track was still there to see them you know, say, Hey, we're going to put this on, on the iRacing platform. We want to bring it back to life. How it was in 87. I didn't even know there was a track to bring back. So he, yeah. what he did in, in bringing, you know, the attention back to it. And then also the thing that is so important about Dale jr. Is that he is a legitimate fan of the sport and he is a legitimate historian. There are few people that you were going to find on this earth that know more about the history of NASCAR than Dale Earnhardt Jr. There really and, is. And, and I think a lot of it has to do with NASCAR lost their backbone when Dale Sr. died. And they lost their way. And I feel like Dale Jr. helps bring that back in a little. Yeah, he's that Not connection the to the he, past. He can't bring it all the way. Mm-hmm. But he is one of the true historians left that really cares about the sport i mean yeah you can say the same thing about larry mack and all them guys but dale jr truly cares yes about the sport he cares about each and every guy you could be cody ware and dale jr will have some sort of nice thing to say about cody ware yes that's just how he is and without dale jr we wouldn't have north wilkesboro coming back no we we wouldn't wouldn't. have the potential of nashville fairgrounds fairgrounds yep I mean, the one of the best shows that he's came out with was the Racetrack Revival show. Yeah, it was incredible. It's so awesome. Yep. And we we need to do everything as we as much as we can to help support these small racetracks that yep. NASCAR is potentially going back to. Because if not, they'll just be like, "Well, this is a waste of time." Yep. Exactly. And I think if 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 I'm the CEO of NASCAR, I'm gonna try my best to do everything that the old junior says hey we need to do this or hey we need to do that yep yeah he's the connection to the past and you know the difference you bring up someone like larry mcreynolds or a jeff hammond or even like a daryl waltrip right all of those guys definitely known people in the the racing space are all hall of famers in their own rights i mean what those guys have done in the sport is second to none but when it comes to their plat, nobody has the platform that Dale Earnhardt Jr. has, and that's the difference. And he uses it to benefit the sport in a way that nobody else does or can even do, right? Even if they wanted to, they can't do it. I mean, you talked about NASCAR losing their way after Dale Earnhardt died, right? That was 
that was a time where you were seeing a lot of those guys. Obviously, Earnhardt was the man. He was the top dog. But you look at that time, that's where you're seeing a lot of those guys, right? At short, It wasn't very long after that you saw Rusty Wallace retire, right? Ricky Rudd goes out the door. Jimmy Spencer, right? Like all the old school drivers that me and you grew up watching, all of those guys were on their way out. And you had this new flock of the, you know, the young guns coming in and stuff like that. Don't get me wrong. A lot of those guys I liked. But yeah. they don't have the historical perspective but, that those other drivers had. And and I don't think they... I'm not going to say they don't care about the historic perspective of everything, but it don't mean much to them. No, it's not their life. And, that's the difference. Right, and and that's where I think we need to cherish these older guys that are still left in the sport. I mean, shit. You got the Kevin Harvicks and the Denny Hamlins. They were mm-hmm. here. Yeah. A long ass time ago. Yeah. You know, you look at the the Mark Martins of the world, right? The Rusty yeah. Wallace's, those like those guys who, you know, you you look at those guys and what they did coming up, where, you know, you hear the stories about them where, you know, Ricky Rudd, it's like, how'd he get in the NASCAR? Oh, I saw a bumper sticker that said if you want to race, Daytona's the place. So we went. Like that that was it. Like, you know, what I mean, it's like, all right, let's take the car and go to Daytona, right? You couldn't do that today. You're not, you're not driving well, your own hauler all over the country with your stock car on the flatbed and, and racing at NASCAR races, right? So and, and that's gone, and those guys are our connection to that. And I think, like, don't get me wrong, I love the new generation of racers. Oh, so do I. But I also don't like it at the same time because these young kids don't know what it's like to jump into an old ran-down motorhome traveling the country. Like, Kevin Harvick's got an awesome story of, this car owner was like, hey, look, there's a van back there just hook up to the trailer. And they drove it all the way to Ohio and drove all through Ohio racing beat up stock cars mm-hmm. just to try to make a name. Yep. And I think we just need to cherish these these older guys more than what we do, because yeah. when they're gone, they're gone. Yeah, they, they won't come back. Yeah. And I, I genuinely think that that is the best future for NASCAR um you know for them to to fully get back to their lane no pun intended right where um they they have to stop you know what really killed them is when they tried to become this global thing that captured the casual fan that every sport always talks about doing which is stupid and they literally turn their back on their hardcore fan base, which is what kept them going forever. And now they're starting to, to go back to that. And I think that's a good thing. There's nothing wrong with being a more regional sport. There's nothing wrong with that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that, right? Baseball is not the NFL, but it thrives as a regional sport. If you live in New York, right? Or even where I'm at Northern California, we got the San Francisco giants and the Oakland A's baseball is a major league. Baseball is a big deal where we're at. And those teams make hundreds of millions of dollars. The players make tons of money and it's a big deal. And the casual fans start watching during the playoffs. That's fine. The rest of the year, the hardcore fan does. There's nothing wrong with that for NASCAR, for them to be the regional, right? The the biggest regional racing sport there is where it's like, you're not going to capture everybody. That's okay. You're not the NFL. It's all right. Get back to doing what you do well and do it. And I think the biggest thing that Dale Earnhardt Jr. has done is really shed the light on that. And NASCAR's listened. And it's it's awesome because we're starting to see um, you know, the the fruits of that labor. And it's it's good for all of us, right? As a fan, I love it. I absolutely love it. A hundred percent. Me too. 
All right. So speaking of Kevin Harvick, we got a couple of Kevin Harvick ones here. First one is, although he is now last in the playoffs after last week at Darlington, Kevin Harvick is still one of the favorites to make it to the round of 12. Does that hit or miss the mark? I'm going to say it hits the mark because you never back a champion into a corner. Yeah, I'm with you. And a champion to Kevin Harvick's caliber. How many times did we see this happen when he won the championship? Quite a bit. Yep. Quite a bit. And and he's got the veteran savvy of, yeah, he may not have the fastest car, but he'll sneak his way into the top five somehow, some way. They're always there. And I truly think, yeah, what happened at Darlington was very unfortunate. Should have never happened. But that team strives on adversity. They do. He's too good. They they have yeah. speed. That's the thing. They sh- they've shown to have speed. The next two races are are tracks that he's done well at. Right? He does Kansas. He's had very good runs there. And then we've got Bristol. I mean, you know, there's two tracks that he is he's had good races at. So I'm with you. I don't think he's out of it yet. I think he'll make it to the round of twelve um, with the you know win and you're in or survive in advance type of mentality. He can absolutely do it. So I'm with you. Yeah. And and there's that one saying, it ain't over till the fat lady sings. Yeah, so. exactly. All right. So speaking of Kevin Harvick's um, Darlington race, after the big fire, Kevin Harvick said, quote, I'm sure it's just crappy ass parts on the race car like we've seen so many times. They haven't fixed anything. It's kind of like the safety stuff. We just let it keep going and keep going. Keith, does he hit or miss the mark on that quote? A hundred percent hits the mark because here, here's the issue. Here's the issue I have as a fan and a former racer. How in the hell are you going to allow a car to be on fire, to roll all the way down the front straightaway and into two and him to be halfway out of the car before a freaking yellow flags out. That is asinine. That should never happen. Yes. I'm with you. After hearing how it happened, so in the front in the front nose of the car, it's all wide open, yes. all the way to the rocker box. Mm-hmm. And that's where all the rubber was building up till it eventually caught on fire. It's gonna happen. It's inevitable. Yep. And it's only with the Fords, and it's happened before. Mm-hmm. And and we've seen the 17 catch on fire, the 41 and others. Yep. And it just goes unnoticed. Yep. And if you have ever the, been one of those people, right? If you grew up like I did out in out in an orchard and you have bonfires where we would actually just light a tractor tire on fire. Let me tell you, there are very few things on this earth that burn like rubber. Uh, they, it is a, it is no it joke. Poke you out in a heartbeat. Yes, man. And it is not one of those things that is easy to put out. They're not easy no. fires to extinguish. So to have rubber build up on the rocker box and have it ignite and catch fire the way that that did. And that thing went from a small little flame to it, you know, a big fire. Yeah. Engulfed man where it's coming out of both sides, under the door, out the hood. Like it was a big fire and it happened quick, quick. It happened and, quick. And I've seen some stupid ass tweets about, well, it was started under the dash. Why didn't he just come down pit road? Well, that's not his job. His job's to race the freaking car. He has an internal fire extinguisher that was pulled. It didn't put the fire out because it was inside the rocker box. Yeah. The, the, the fire extinguisher internally ain't meant for the rocker box. It's no. meant for the cabin of the car. Yes. And in his eyes, and and I'm and I'm thinking of it from a Kevin Harvick standpoint. You're in the freaking playoffs. You're not just gonna mm-hmm. oh well hell, there's a small fire under the dash. Better pull it in, 
go to the garage. No, you're not going to. You're going to try to fix the situation yourself. Yep. See if you can stop it. Yep. And it didn't. And and I I think what he said shouldn't go unnoticed by any means. No, it can't. You know, they they've talked and talked about these cars and for everything that we love about these cars when it comes to the racing aspect of them because make no mistake the racing this year has been better than it's been in a long time. When we've had some stinkers, don't get me wrong, we're still not fans of the whole shifting thing, but overall when you compare it overall, to what we've great. seen in with the Gen 6 car, it's been amazing. But the safety aspects of these cars need some work, man. They it, really do. They the safety really aspect really makes me nervous on the longevity of a NASCAR driver's career now. Yes. Because Kurt Busch's crash wasn't big. No. By any means. And he's still having concussion symptoms. Yep. You would think that NASCAR, with their big-ass brain of theirs, maybe we should look into this. Because now, reckon this car is the equivalent of throwing a brick against a wall. Yeah, it really and the, is. And the brick not destroying it just stays as a brick yep it really is and that's and, that's the problem the drivers are taking the brunt of it yeah and i think what pisses me off the most about the whole situation is they're saying well the cars are hitting at different angles yeah different speeds at different angles yeah well, who cares the car's not absorbing any of the impact the driver's body is and if you want to pat yourself on the back that we have the best race car drivers on the country fucking treat them like yeah and don't give me the different angles different speed no, things i mean come on give me a break out of the thousands and thousands of wrecks they've had with the other cars you're telling me that they've never had one wrecks so, that have been these angles or these speeds give me a break come on that's so, a joke the, the ryan newman bar how quick did we see that come into action pretty yeah. fucking quick yeah why are we dragging our feet on this yeah one, i just don't get it, it it's driver safety Two, we don't need to kill another race car driver in NASCAR. I'm no, sorry, it doesn't need to happen. And nope. three, these these cars should not just catch on fire. Nope, they shouldn't. I'm with you, and man. I'm, I'm happy to see that they've made a rule change to where they can block them areas off. But like Rodney Childers tweeted out and showed a path of how it's all happening. And he's like, we have the tools in our shop to do it. We just can't because we'll get a 100-point penalty. Yeah. I think stupid. Yeah. I think we need to allow these teams, or NASCAR, not we, if they see see an issue, they should be allowed to fix it without modifying the car. Yeah, I, but I, I just... I agree with what Kevin Harvick said. When I heard him say it, I was like, that is gold. Yeah. And they need to listen to it because he's an elder statesman of the sport. Yes. Because let's face it, if, if Chase Elliott said it, it'd been fixed. Yeah, that's see, that's the thing, man. I the no biased anymore. Yeah, it's just... Yeah, they need to get on it, man. I'm really hoping they make some changes to the safety of the car. Cause like like we said, man, I, I've I've been pleasantly surprised by what this car has done in terms of the racing this year. Well it's just and, every bump I'm like, ooh man, that probably hurt that and, driver. And hearing that when they were bump drafting at Daytona, Bubble Wallace had the wind knocked out of him from a small bump. Yeah. Denny Hamlin set out of the Xfinity race because he was still feeling the effects of the crash. Yeah. That should say something. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I hate to say it, but when these older veterans retire, there will not be a driver with a voice. There, there won't be. Because I've not heard any of these young guys speak up. No, they're, they're, that's just not their nature. That's not their mint. That, yeah, that's, they're not built that way. No. These older guys are 
They'll, well, they'll say they've what they been conditioned to, to not be that way, right? Everything's yeah. all about squeaky clean. Got to look right for the sponsors, right? Like it's not about, you know, uh, just go out there and do it. You know, it's better to ask for ask for uh, forgiveness than permission, right? Like that's that's Denny Hamlin's motto. That's Tony Stewart and and Kevin Harvick, right? That's how those guys are, right? I'll just say it and then I'll just say, oh well, shouldn't have said that. Sorry. So right? or these guys, they just never say it to begin with. Let me ask you this. If Kyle Busch was to say what Kevin Harvick said, there would have been a big uproar. Am I right or am I wrong? Um, More than likely, yeah. Just because of Kyle Busch is so polarizing, yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. So, so yeah. Hopefully they get on it, man. All right. Our fifth and last hit or miss of the day. We go to the World of Outlaws Sprint Car Series where David Gravel won the final night of the Skagit Nationals. So David Gravel is still the only one in the hunt for the Outlaws Driver Championship. Hit or miss the mark, Keith? It hits the mark. Um, David Gravel is picking up some traction. <laughs> yes, he is. He, he's been very inconsistent of late. And I and I say that, and he's got 32 top fives and 49 top tens. Yes, exactly. But when it comes to wins, mm -hmm. we haven't seen David in victory lane in, in a little bit. Yep. I, if I'm Brad Sweet, I'm worried more about the two than I am Carson Macedo and Sheldon Hodenshield. Right yeah, now. I'm not worried about Sheldon Hodenshield. He's pretty far back. He's over 200 Sucks. points back. Yeah. Um, he really it. fell off. Yeah. I mean, that was, you know, me and you, that was our guy for the season. And I really thought he had a real shot at it. He, uh, but we talked about this. We said that he had, he couldn't have these lows. That's always been the no. thing with him. And, and, and when you mention the 17 team of, uh, Stenhouse junior racing, mm -hmm. that's the first thing you think of, of, well, they could win 10 races, but they're yep. going to be hella streaky. Yep. So, so inconsistent. I don't know what the issue is. Yep. And, you know, Macedo, Macedo's still close. He's 98 points back. He's at 11 wins on the season. But he, he also, um, although he did just win, what was that? Was that last night? Uh, yeah. Or a couple nights ago. I, what yeah. was that? Uh, he won up in uh, Elmo. No, I'm sorry, Elmo. I always call it Elmo to make fun of my family. Elma. Washa, Elma. Um, Elma. He won at Grace Harbor. So, uh, he won up there, so he's he's less than 100 back, 98 points back. Um, and we've got, you know, Gold Cup uh, here in my backyard actually gets started tonight. We've got the Gold Cup Race of Champions tonight, tomorrow night, and Saturday night. Um, I was really looking forward to going that to that, unfortunately, because I've got to head out of town for uh, my grandma's funeral. I'm not going to be able to make it this year, which is a, a real bummer, but, um, you know, that's... That's a big, that's a big race. And you know, those guys gravels done well at Chico, obviously Brad sweet. That's, I mean, that's the track that he grew up, you know, that's where he got his sprint car start was at silver dollar speedway. So, you know, there's going to be some, uh, interesting, interesting, uh, results this weekend. And, um, although Macedo is still close, I think the only one who has a legitimate shot is David Gravel. I think it's it's really between Sweet and Gravel. It would take a really, it would take something really big to happen for for one of those other guys to to hop back up into the points chase. And and I completely agree with that. I think it it's going to be harder for Macedo than it will be for David Gravel. I think right now, if I it's a it's a lot like the Cup Series. I can't say that Brad Sweet's going to win it just because David Gravel's mm -hmm. right there. He's right yeah. on his heels. 
I mean, we've seen David go through a stretch of win three or four races in a row, and he could very well do it this weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's there's only what less than two dozen races to go. I think there's eighteen, twenty, something like that to go. So uh it's we're we're getting down to the end and um yeah it's the points battle is still there but i i really think it's it's just a a two a two car race um and i and i completely agree with that and i don't see the fortunately i don't see the other guys making a big run um i wish they would especially sheldon i'd love to see him get a championship but i think you might have to wait till next year yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. So that's going to do it all for the hit or miss portion of the show. But after the break, we are going to take a look at something that I came up with. Uh, I had this wild idea based on my my uh, sports gambling that I do. A lot of you guys probably don't know that I'm a handicapper. And I'll tell you how I came up with it and why I did it um, after the break. All right. so. As I was saying before we before we took the break, um, I came up with this little power rating system. Uh, the reason I did this is, for those of you guys who don't know, I've been a sports handicapper, uh, specifically to the NFL, um, and I do some college basketball well, but but more or less NFL for the last ten years. Um, I started doing sports betting right when I found out that my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, was pregnant with our son. And I was like, I need to find another income. And I got into sports betting. And to make a long story short, I got into one of those, you know, uh, pick systems out there where the guy's like, hey, I'll give you my picks for so much a month and, and, you know, all this stuff. And so I got into one of those. Um, I happened to turn in about, two months, I turned $200 into like five grand. Um, every day I would get a text message from the guy saying, Hey, bet this, this, and this, I would bet it. And at the start of it, I started with 200 bucks after about two months, I had five grand. I went from betting 25 bucks a game to $500 a game. It was incredible. It was one of the luckiest streaks ever. Um, and I say luckiest because I found out it was a scam. And to make a long story short, what had happened was, is I discovered they had hit me up. Literally, it was like the day after my son was born or something like that. They were like, hey, we've got these five games. They're absolute locks. Give us $500. We'll give you the picks. And I, look, I, these guys, I had 200 bucks and I've turned it into five grand. Listen to these guys, $500 of investment. Like I'm sold, right? I'm hella sold. Anybody who has had that kind of return is going to say yes. I was like, yeah, sure. So they give me the five picks. I make all the bets. And then like an hour later, I get a text message and it's telling me the five bets to make. And it's the exact opposite of what I had paid for. And that night I ended up losing three out of the five games. Then the next day, I wasn't the next day. It was like two days later. They hit me up again. And they were, you know, at the time, like I said, this was like right after my son was born. So I was like, ah this is kind of weird. Was that just like a typo or what's the deal? So I was kind of suspicious about it. And then a couple days later, they hit me up again. Same thing happens. Hey man, we got this great information, blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm like, all right, I give them the 500. This time I was much more concerned because I had lost, you know, like a thousand dollars that, that last time. So I, I didn't bet, I only bet like a hundred bucks a game and we lost all five. And 
like an hour before the games, I got another text telling me to bet the exact opposite of all those games I had paid for once again. The same exact thing happened twice. And I got a call from that guy the next day. Dude's name was Nick. That's all I knew was his first name, Nick. And he was all happy being like, wasn't that incredible? We went 5-0 and last night. And I'm like, dude, what are you talking about? I went 0-5. I go, you sold me five picks. I go, and then you texted me with the exact opposite. I'm like, this is a freaking boiler room scam. And that was how I figured it out. And that's what they were doing. They were essentially, you got a hundred people. You tell 50 people to bet on the the Cowboys. You tell 50 people to bet on the Patriots. After that game, you're going to have 50 people who are happy. Then you take those 50 people, you tell 25 to bet on the Chargers, and you tell 25 to bet on the 49ers. After that game, you're going to have 25 people that will literally do whatever you tell them to do. And if you say, hey, man, we've got special information, 500 bucks, they're going to give it up. And that's essentially what they were doing. I just happened to be one of the luckiest people on earth on the right side of that scam for six weeks, right? So that was kind of how I got into sports betting. After that happened, I was like, you know, I think I can figure this out. I spent a lot of time learning everything. And over the last eight years, I've been handicapping the NFL and I've been very successful at it. I'm I'm about a 59% win rate against the spread, which is pretty good. Um, I make money doing it. And don't get me wrong. It's not like I'm getting rich off of it or anything, but I make money doing it. And so I wanted to start looking at NASCAR betting. And unfortunately, when it comes to NASCAR betting, it's... It's not like you would see with other sports. Now, first of all, it can't be in certain regards, right? You can't say, hey, Chase Elliott is going to win over uh, Christopher Bell, you know, minus three, right? You know, you can't like give Bell three spots. I mean, I guess you could, but they're not going to do, you know, you don't find those bets out there. It's usually a money line bet. Hey, Denny Hamlin is six to one to win the race this week, right? Like that's how you you see. And then there's places out there that do like horse racing bets where you can do top three, top five, that type of thing. We talked about the guy who had the incredible, you know, fan duel wager for Daytona, right? So I was like, well, I want to come up with kind of a spread system where we could use it to compare drivers. Now, keep in mind, this is just for our own amusement. <laughs> That's all it is. And so I came up with the system to rank the guys, the drivers. I just did the 16 in the playoffs. If this works out well, the rest is playoff. The next year, I'll look at doing it for all 36 drivers, all 36 chartered drivers. And then we can have some fun with it. But I wanted to test it out first. So what I did was is the drivers are rated above average. Okay, so what do I mean by above average? Well, if you have 36 drivers, right, the average finish or the middle of that would be what? 18th place, right? Like that would be considered the middle. So if you're rated at a plus five, that means that you're, you are expected to finish five positions better than 18th. Okay. Does that make sense, Keith? Am I making yeah. sense? Okay. So that's the way that it works. So if you wanted to compare driver versus driver, right? So let's say you've got Ross Chastain, who I have rated at three and a half. Okay. And then uh, Austin Dillon, who I have rated as a one. The way that you would look at it is, is that, hey, on average, on this race, Ross Chastain should finish two and a half positions better than Austin Dillon if you were going to do that head up. 
So that's the rating system I came up with. Okay. And like I said, it's just for fun. All right. But that being said, after I went in and did all this work and I, I looked at stuff and I, I, I did the power ratings like I do in the NFL where I factor in the team, right? How do they do at the upcoming tracks? You know, all of those things. I didn't just like look at a stat and go, okay, this is what we're, I didn't just take like the average finish, right? Like I actually put work into this. Even after last week's debacle at Darlington, Chase Elliott, I still have as the highest rated driver. All right. Who do, who do you think would be the high, who should be the highest rated driver right now, Keith? At where we're at currently um, right now. It's hard to not say Chase Elliott at the moment. See, that was what I thought too. Even after last week's, he did not qualify good. He didn't race very good. Either. No, you know what I mean? He just lost the car. And I think one of the reasons I think that we see that happen with these cars, I think that has to do with the rear diffuser and what i mean by that is is remember before with the gen 6 car right where those cars everything was over body right all of the downforce yeah. was generated over the body so if somebody got up behind you or next to you they would take the air off the spoiler you would see the car come around well now that's not really the case right cars come up behind you next to you and stuff like that it's not going to affect it. It can, it can still happen, but not to the extent that it did before. But now I think what's happening with these guys when they're getting up real close to the wall like that, I think that when they've got air that's coming in from the sides of the car and going out the back, out that diffuser, which absolutely happens, when they get up to that wall and that air's not coming in under that side anymore, I think that's what's causing these guys to snap around because that's what that looked like to me. Like he was right up by that wall. He just, the car snapped and boom, he just came right down in front and got hit. Yeah. And I think if it was the old car, he probably would have spun down to the inside wall and nine times out of 10, probably never either a hit somebody or hit the wall. Yeah. I'm with you there. So, so yeah, even though he had an abysmal, um, week at Darlington. I still have him rated the highest. His rating is 5.5. But who do you think are the four drivers after him? Keith. Yet if you had to guess who the top 5 were based on power rating, who would you guess? Chase Elliott's number 1. Who are the other four? Um, and it's just playoff drivers. Denny Hamlin. Okay. Uh Kyle Larson. Okay. Let's go with Tyler Reddick. All right. And Kyle Bush. All right. You got three wrong and one right, according to my rating system. <laughs> so the top five right now are Chase Elliott's number one at 5.5. I got Joey Logano at two with 4.5. Kevin Harvick is at three at 4.5. Ryan Blaney at four with 4.5. And Kyle Larson is at five with a, a rating of four. So the I like yeah, I, I agree with it. Yeah, <laughs> now Denny, that I hear it. <laughs> yeah, and I had Denny Hamlin is actually only a 1.5 because here's the thing that you have to remember with this rating system, right? Is that it's we're rating them based on above average, above the above the mean, right? Above the middle of the pack. So consistency is going to help that rating more than wins. 
right? Where obviously Chase Elliott is consistent and he's got four wins. Where Ryan Blaney, even though he has zero wins, when you look at consistency as a whole, because I took the whole season into account, his consistency has been better than Denny Hamlin, right? Denny Hamlin has had some hey, really good runs, but he's also had some really bad runs. Right, and it makes sense because if you if you even think about it is... I should have took his pit crew into account because there's been a lot of times that mm -hmm. pit road screwed Denny L. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. And that's why he, he's, he's, I've seen where he's a couple people's clear favorite to win the championship, but he's not mine just because you cannot thrust that pit crew at the moment. No, that's a, that, that is such a huge factor. I'm glad you bring that up last. I remember last year at this time when I had just started the podcast, I was talking about that. And that was why, I had Chase Elliott make, I think I had him making, I can't remember if it was the round of eight or the, or the final four. I can't remember, but I had him going far, but I said, I didn't think he was going to win because last year that was the, the Napa team's problem. Their pit crew was abysmal. Like they had cost him so many spots, man. Remember he would gotten like three or four penalties in like six races for loose wheels, like just dumb stuff. And we're seeing that happen with Denny Hamlin's team, where they're just they've just had these bonehead mistakes. Now look, yeah, they are a championship caliber team. They can absolutely get it, you know, buttoned up and and go on a run. But based on what we've seen so far this year, right, he's got high peaks, but he's got some really low valleys as well. So, so that's why he's so low in the in the I'm, rating. I'm gonna use this as an example on Denny Hamlin for our listeners that don't watch NASCAR a whole lot, but they watch football. And I'm going to use my beloved Bengals as this <laughs> example. Your driver is your quarterback. Absolutely. Your is your offensive line. Yep. If your offensive line lets you down, you don't win the Super Bowl. That's nope. what happened to my That's what happened to my Bengals. We yep. fixed the offensive line, so therefore we should be able to get up off the road faster. It blows my mind that knowing that Denny probably has the best shot of his career this year to win the championship, that JGR has yet to fix his pick room. Yep. No, you're right, man. Blows my mind. And that's a that's a perfect analogy. It really is because it it's so true. You know, your crew, your team. Those are the guys that are doing all the work behind the scenes. And obviously the pit stops and stuff like that, you know, on Sundays and they don't get the glory, right? They don't, they, no. they're not the front runner, right? And they also, when things are bad, it's still not them taking the blame. They'll be mentioned like they are now, right? But when Denny Hamlin has a bad run, it's a footnote. If the pit crew screws up at the end of the day, he still had the bad run. And it's the same way you see in the NFL. So you're absolutely right about that. And I'm with you. He's got a great shot. He's had tremendous speed at times this season, and, and it it's hopefully his team can keep it together because I'd like to he, see him win. Oh, 100%. Me too. And he reminds me of Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow never once blamed his offensive line for the issues. Yeah. Well, and that's Denny the Hamlin thing. will rarely call out his offensive line, his pit crew. Yep. Hindsight 50-50, you look at Kevin Harvick. He's more of a Tom Brady-ish his offensive line lets him down. He lets them know it vocally. Yep. And he has every right to. All these drivers do. It, it's your job to get me in and out in nine seconds. If you make a mistake, own up to that mistake. It's your fault. 
that we're not sitting in victory lane chugging beer right now. Yep, it's it's tough, man. You've got to be on point, and those teams are, um, they are. It's everything. It's just everything. Like you've got to. You've got to make sure that you've got everything just on point. And when you don't have it on point, right, you see things fall apart. And that's what we've seen with Denny Hamlin. And it's been very, very unfortunate at times. And hopefully they keep it together and will, you know, have a strong finish to the season because like i said i'd like to see him get the championship this year me too and and it makes sense why his power rating is that low yeah because he has been very fast but very inconsistent yep absolutely and the same could be said about every single jgr car better yet every toyota yep yep so all right so before we wrap up today's show, we are going to finish things up with our GOAT of the week. So as you guys know, this is where me and Keith pick our greatest of all time for the week. Obviously, uh, a little bit of a joke. favorite part of the podcast. Yep, based on <laughs> kind of just poking fun at the media out there, right? If, if something happens, you know, it's a, you know somebody has a good race, it's or, you know, are they a Hall of Famer? This week, for you NFL fans out there, watch what they say on Tuesday after week one. You're going to hear everybody talk about who, you know, Justin Herbert has a good game. Is he gonna be this year's mvp it's like dude it's been one game like can we pump the brakes? so that's our go to the week we kind of just do that to have fun with it so keith who is your goat of the week so i've actually thought about this all day before the pod about who i was gonna pick for my go to the week this is how much i enjoy it i put this much time into it if you don't recall i've talked about this person almost every time on the podcast in the NASCAR Cup Series. My go to the week is Eric Jones for getting that 43 back in victory lane and actually racing for it. Sorry, Eric Almarola. I hate to take your fame from you right now. But damn it, Eric Jones drove the wheels off of that car, proved that the 43 is really fast because he outdrove some really fast cars to pick up that win and to get Richard Betty back in victory lane. He's my go to the week. Yeah, I love it, man. That's, that's an awesome one. Um, I agree 100%. And actually he, Eric Jones was my number two for my go to the week. I had two of them this week. I had a plan going into it um, where if I was like, if Keith picks this guy, then I'll pick this guy, right? It's basically one or the other. And Luckily for me, you didn't pick my number one because my number one goat of my number one goat of the week was actually my goat of the week before today. Um, but now he's really my goat of the week. And we already talked about him earlier, and that is Dale Earnhardt Jr. What he did at North Wilkesboro as a driver in in the late models, that race. If you want to see some incredible driving, go watch that race. The man makes his way from like 15th or something 16th to third in like 
50 laps. It was in, it was absolutely incredible what he did at the end of the race. Obviously, the vast majority of people who showed up to that race were there because he was racing it, which is always a good thing, right? He, you know, helping just promote everything. And all of that has come to fruition now where we've got the all-star weight race at North Wilkesboro next year. So my go to the week is Dale Earnhardt Jr. We talked about it, it a ton and he's done more for the sport um, than than you could ever imagine. So yeah, hats off to hats yeah. off to Dale Jr. Man, it's been it's been awesome. Absolutely love it. I can I think we can all sit back and say he's one of the pioneers that truly gives back to the sport of NASCAR racing. Yeah, absolutely. And just racing in general, you know, just yeah. racing all around. Yeah. He's just incredible for the sport of racing. And 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 it says a lot that he still fields the super late model teams. Yeah. Uh, the, the box stock, stock car cars with Waffle. I mean, he does a lot for the grassroots guys. He still owns teams. I mean, hell, that's where we found Josh Berry. That, mm-hmm. He's raced for Dale Jr. Shit, for what, 10, 15 years? A long time. Yeah, a long a time. A very long time. Yeah. And, I mean, I, I like that go to the week. That was a really good pick. Yeah. So, you guys, that's going to do it all for this week's Three Wide in the Middle podcast. Thank you guys very much for joining us. If you guys like the show, please share it. Get it out there with other people. Help us keep spreading the good word. Uh, Also, make sure that you download and subscribe. We are on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts. We're on it. You can also catch video clips on YouTube. Um, Hopefully, Keith will get a camera here. Have his camera here soon where we'll be putting up clips of both of us yeah it won't just be clips of me it'll be clips of both of us so hopefully we'll have that soon um and then also on the facebook page uh where i'm gonna start putting up stuff uh during the week uh not just you know podcast stuff but i think one of the reasons i did that driver power rating thing is i think on the facebook page i'm gonna actually post you know a thing going into each race my my predictions based on the power rating we'll kind of do that have some fun with it so if you want to check any of that stuff out Make sure to follow us on Facebook, subscribe on YouTube, download and subscribe to the show. And lastly, if you really want to help us out, leave us a rating and review. Uh, that would be awesome. It seriously helps I'd us. Make my day. Yep, seriously helps us in the algorithm and all that other good stuff. So get out there, do that for us. And if you do that, we will be back here next week. So Keith, my man, have a good weekend. And I just caught myself. We will not be back next week. <laughs> forgive me on that we'll be back the following week no pod next week i'm gonna be gone i have a funeral next week that i'll be out of town for so we'll be back on september 22nd um so yeah see you on november or november september 22nd my god i'll get this out of my mouth i promise so september 22nd we will be back so keith my man have a good weekend and i'll uh, talk to you in a couple weeks my man Oh, absolutely. NFL kicks off this this Sunday. That's My right. beloved Bengals are back. That's right. Enjoy it. Everybody out there, have a good weekend and uh we'll uh we'll talk soon. Take care.